Welcome to this conversation brought to you by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer, and today I'm hanging out with Gary Hughes, my new best friend. What's up, Mr. Hughes? Hey, man. <laughs> we've been we've been <laughs> sitting here shooting the bull for approximately 10 minutes, and I should have just recorded should've that. Should have hit, hit record we from the get-go, yeah. I regret not doing that. Next next time we hang out, that's when I, I'll just record the whole thing. I think thing. we've hit like 37 topics we did. in 10 minutes. We did. We covered, we covered the spectrum. I'm interested because I think that our minds are both so manic. And we're, because normally I switch topics and I can see people's eyes glaze over, but you're with me. You're like, yeah, man. Yeah. No. Well, if, if you knew my wife better, you would not be surprised. She is, she is capable of spraying out lots of information in short amounts so of time. So you've got a lot of experience. Yes. Okay. Yes. But my eyes do glaze over with her, which is an, which is an issue in our, in our relationship sometimes. I tell, I tell my wife when she's telling me something important, I said, make sure I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> and make sure I'm looking at you and then I want you to just double check to make sure that I'm hearing you because if you tell me something while I'm doing something else I'm all I'm going to do is go yeah uh-huh <sighs> yeah and then I'm going to not remember that you said it and then you're going to be mad at me yes. later cuz I didn't remember it's just I said honey just you were going to have a 50% higher rate of mm-hmm. of satisfaction in our marriage if you just make sure that I'm looking at you when you tell me stuff we're we're in the same boat I I say we because we always have these arguments after the fact, like I didn't do what I said I was going to do, apparently. And I don't she doesn't even need me to say, yeah, she says it sometimes from the other room. And then that's it. And you could have had, you could have had headphones on. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I didn't even know she was in the house. <laughs> but that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has at least there are some marriages I know where one partner actually just thinks a thing. <laughs> And expects the other person to do it. So that that's well, you're actually God, the, God bless those. You're people. right in the middle of the pack. Good good for them. I, <laughs> I hope that but then when it doesn't happen, she gets upset. I said, Did I acknowledge? Was there any sort of acknowledgement? It's like it's like me? you somebody beats you at a game that you didn't know you were playing. <laughs> well that, that's marriage. <laughs> that, 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 that is Ain't it though? That is my Oh marriage. my god, that is marriage. Yeah. Yeah, right. and I'm a loser. Yeah. I'm a big fat loser. I don't think I've ever won at, at anything. <laughs> I tell you what, so we're in Vegas and uh, uh you know, on the first day when we got here to WPPI, I walked in and I go, "You know what? I think I remember being pretty good at blackjack." Mm. And so I walked in and I put a hundred bucks in. I Ooh. bought a fairly low limit table. Okay. Five minutes later, I well now I remember why I don't gamble. <laughs> there, there went a hundred dollars. Yeah, it's my dad would call that. Uh, he, I want I call my dad whenever I'm in crisis because he's just got a lot of real sort of like folksy wisdom, you know. And he just said to me one time when I was having a I was so mad at somebody who really in business who really screwed me over and I it was one of those moments have you ever been so mad somebody does something so outrageously to your face where you just don't know what to say you're just speechless and I'm sitting there like mouth open like a guppy like normally I'm not clearly any listener of this show is going to know that I'm never like not I don't ever have nothing to say right but I was one of those moments I called my dad and and I told him and uh, it was a, a, a friend of, of a, a, um, a colleague who had tried to steal a client oh. and yep. got a really good run at it, but failed. So yep. I still continue. I had that relationship with the client, but it really hurt my relationship with that person for a long time. Uh-huh. And my dad said to me, he goes, son, you learned a very expensive lesson for mm. a very cheap price. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, and, and you know how you ever had a moment when somebody is 
they says something or something happens and you can literally feel the neurons burning across your brain like you're never going to forget that as long as <laughs> yeah, you live. Yeah, it gets put in there. Yeah, and that, that was that moment. And so, and, you know, so I'm sitting down there and I lost a hundred bucks in five minutes yeah. at Blackjack and I just thought, Dad... I just learned a really expensive lesson yes. for a very cheap price. Yes. hundred bucks is not a lot of money to remind me why I don't gamble. It yes. could be worse. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is, that is so your dad is a, is a man of much wisdom. Uh, he's, he, I mean, I'm sure he says a lot of dumb stuff too. Like, <laughs> like most husbands and fathers, you know, yeah. like you're a father and a husband, you yeah. know, we, we, every once in a while you really like nail it. You say something really smart and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. I'm the guy. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm terrible. I'm stupid. Right. Because yeah. then 10 minutes later, you ruin it by speaking more. The ecstasy of actually having said something intelligent doesn't last very long, typically. It's almost immediately followed by just agony. Story, story of my life. Shame, embarrassment, pain. When I, when that's I the speak. title of your autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's why I'm doing this podcast, so that I can just share that with the world. Let our topic today is supposed to be leaving portraits and weddings behind the commercial. Uh, yeah, I love. Uh, we'll we'll get to it. Portrait studio. <laughs> we will get there. Well, because because first I want you to talk about yourself a little bit and tell people who you are. Okay, um, Gary Hughes. Hi, it's probably on the description of the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. So if Most you're listening, likely. you don't know who I am. You're probably illiterate, which is good that this is an audio <laughs> podcast because you don't need to know how to read. Um, so uh, I, I my parents are photographers. Oh, I, didn't I grew know that. I grew up at, in a photography family. Every bill was paid sometimes, and mm-hmm. every meal was paid for with photography. Okay. So they were a full-time studio, a husband and wife team, which is really, really infuriating that that's what I do now. Exactly the same thing, because there are two kinds of people. If your dad's a cop or a firefighter or in the army or your mom, right. or whatever, you're either going to be, you're gonna, just going to do that thing with never thinking that there was any other path for you, right. or you're going to try to do anything else right. your entire life. Right. And so I've always tried to do everything and anything I could to not be a photographer. And it's not because I don't love the business. It's because I grew up in a, we all worked in the family business, all the kids, me and my siblings, we all worked in it. I still have scars on the tips of my fingers from putting together proof books when I was like nine. My first job ever had, because when I was sick, I didn't stay home because my parents had to go to work. So I was at the studio all day. Mm -hmm. So like the studio became this place of like negativity in my mind as a kid because I wanted to climb trees and have fun and do stuff and whenever even if I got to stay home sick I wasn't home I was at the studio right and so my first job was developing eight by ten headshots black and white in my dad's darkroom <laughs> when I was a kid and you know my dad was the guy he always came home his hands always smelled like fixer yeah. do you know the smell can you smell it like yes. in your mind right now yeah my and, wife had a dark room right mm-hmm. and so that's the that smell like those neurons we talked about is burned mm-hmm. into my brain forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've done, I worked as a professional musician. I've been a, a, a waiter. I have a degree in sociology, in criminal sociology that I've never used. I went to the university of Florida, go Gators. And you, and you have a degree. <clears throat> yeah. And okay. Yeah. And then like, I've, I, like uh, I've been a, a janitor. I worked as a janitor for a while. I had a construction company, which I sold in the early 2000s, right before the housing market collapsed, thank God. Yeah, good for you. Um, I went back to school after that, and I tried to do, um, and I went and I got certified for IT. I became a Microsoft certified uh, technician. What? And, uh, you know, I've done everything. You really have. I I mean, I've lived, I feel like. I thought maybe you were just saying it. I'm I'm 36 years old. I feel like I've lived five lives already. Yeah, yeah. you know, this is, we're gonna, I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole real quick, but I got on Instagram this morning and I saw that Kevin Smith, you know, the filmmaker, yep. he had, had a heart, heart attack, attack right? Yep. And then saw this that. is like, and I've, he is like, he was 
really cool when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. He started to come into his prominence, mm -hmm. and I've just been with his career my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, except for like, I don't know what was that terrible Bruce Willis movie that he just made? It's like Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. Anyway, never mind. Oh yeah, that was. Yeah, but he was... wrote this long thing on his Instagram about how he he almost died. Mm -hmm. He's looking into the infinite, mm -hmm. and he said. The, I didn't realize this, but the greatest fear of my life has always been the fear of death. Yeah. And he said, and then I was looking it right in the face, possibly dying. And he goes, and I realized that I, it wasn't as bad as I thought. He said, I just, the first thing I could think of was, man, have I had an awesome life. Man, have I done all these great things. Man, am I satisfied. I've got parents who loved me and raised me. I have a daughter who, you know, and I was, I'm just reading that and going, and realizing as I'm reading it, that that's my greatest fear and that it motivates and informs everything I've ever done because I believe that fear is the most important motivator in the life of every single person. But when it comes to creative entrepreneurs like photographers um, and creatives, designers, anybody like that, the, um, you know, because obviously I'm a photographer, but I think that you're either afraid to fail or you're afraid not to try. And I think that if you're afraid to fail, it, turns you into the type of person that doesn't live an extraordinary life. Mm. And if you're too afraid to not try, like your greatest fear is to miss out, to not have given it a shot, where you don't consider failure, that is still motivated by fear, I think. And so, but it seems to other people like you're so brave, like you're so courageous, like you do all these bold and innovative things, like you're on the front line. But truthfully, just honestly terrified not to try. I'm terrified to sit still. And that has made my life extraordinary up to this point. You're more afraid to not try yes. than you are to fail. Correct. Failure does not scare me. Right. Um, but I'm not saying that doesn't make me more courageous than somebody who's afraid to, to fail. It just means that my fear motivates me differently. And so like, and I'm just thinking about that and I go, everything that I've done, my wife and I have an extraordinary life and family and and I have just, I've done some crazy, stupid things. I should not be alive. You know, that's 100% true. So there's that. There's that. But man, has it been awesome. And even at 36, if I stepped out on a Las Vegas Boulevard today and got hit by a truck mm -hmm. and, that was, and it was lights out, I think I'd be okay. I, really, I, think, I think I'd be, yeah, man, I, I, I did everything I could, every moment I could. I have not worked a job for one day that I didn't want to do. I worked at IHOP for one day oh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and realized you didn't want to do it and realized I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I, and I was so destitute. I was working as a musician at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything. I had no money. I used to drag a borrowed lawnmower around my neighborhood in Lake Placid, Florida and mow people's lawns for $5 just so I could buy groceries. Like that's how poor I was. And I got a job and I quit the job after the first day of training. Cause I was like, and right. I've waited tables. It wasn't service that bothered me. It right. was the environment. Right. It was the people. Yeah. At this one particular place, right. IHOP's great. I yeah. love the breakfast. Yeah. Um, nothing against IHOP. In case you guys want to sponsor me later yeah, for something, I don't want to burn that bridge. IHOP is delicious. <laughs> it is very delicious. <laughs> and there's six of them by my house. Um, probably by everybody's house. Yeah. Know. Down the south especially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many IHOPs. The International House of Pancakes, mm -hmm. for those of you who aren't familiar. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who wouldn't be, but mm -hmm. sometimes you just explain stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. And that was, that was a really interesting moment because, again, it's one of these things from my life where people who know me would say, wow, that's inspirational that you do or don't do that. or that's." But in reality, I don't even think about it. 
I don't even think about those decisions. If I had an autobiography or if, if somebody decided that their life was so bad that they were just going to spend some time writing an, a biography about me, <laughs> and, like I got nothing going on. Why not? Um, it would be called head first. Right. Because that's how I've done everything in my life. Like, he, like spear tackle, head down, just running and not looking. It sounds like you don't give yourself the time to be afraid to fail. You, well, again, I'm one of those people, like a lot of us who are creative entrepreneurs, I'm one of those people mm -hmm. that is, honestly, I can't sit still. Like if I go to a conference like this one uh, or, or any other, the worst thing I can do is be in my room by myself. So that's failure. That's not failure. It's afraid to like be missing something or like there's too much noise in my head. Are you, you know, do you know those people the, like the, the FOMO, yeah. the fear of missing out? And you know what? And now that I think about it, I don't fear of missing out anything. I just, somebody explained to me this and I thought this was really, really insightful talking about introverts and extroverts, right? So it doesn't mean if you're an introvert, it doesn't mean you're shy. It doesn't mean you're quiet necessarily. And an extrovert doesn't mean that you're loud like me. Mm -hmm. An introvert is someone who recharges when they're alone. Right. And an extrovert is someone who recharges socially around other people. Mm. And I thought that that was really a lot more insightful definition of introvert and extrovert because I am definitely an extrovert. And I can be, a, I work by myself a lot. My wife stays home with the kids and I'm at the studio and we have a studio manager, but he kind of can either work remotely or he's at the studio mm. or he's at the house with my wife. He kind of bounces around. So mm. a lot of times I'm alone and I absolutely go nuts if I'm by myself too mm. long and I don't have to even be interacting with anybody I just have to go to a place where people are and so I realized that about myself is that I recharge mentally emotionally around other people so you can slip on over to the IHOP yeah and get, I just pop on out get my Rudy too fresh not, and fruity as long as you're not working there <laughs> as long as I don't work there <laughs> so my dad told me again folks the old dad he told me that one thing and I was thinking about this interview this morning when I was getting ready and I said what do I have to say that anybody would give a crap about. What do I have to say that matters? And because there are so many like positivity, life coach, guru types yeah. out there in the world. And yes. gosh, most of them just make me nauseous. <laughs> and there are some that are really trying to help and some that are like, hey, you know, what's really a great way to make money? Selling people inspiration, you know? Because that's the truth. I'm so sick to death of inspiration, I could spit. Like I hate inspiration. Inspiration is so tired to me. Because what, what these people do not do is they don't give you hard take-homes. Mm. They give you an idea. They sell a dream of a life that does not actually exist. Using cliches a lot of times, I've noticed. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, like make um, your Mondays into Saturdays. And, ambiguous cliches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, how yeah. you, we could probably sit here and, and then back and forth think of right. a dozen of them. Right. But um, in reality, what people need is actionable information. You know. And so my dad gives me this, again, a folksy thing that he said was, you got 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. eight of it is sleeping, eight of it is working, and eight of it is yours. And the part that's yours is usually filled with doing laundry, right. cooking meals, taking a shower, going to the right. grocery store. So in reality, you probably get, if you're lucky, maybe four or five hours a day to do what you choose. Mm -hmm. And some of us less than that, if we have kids, it's like four or five seconds a day. Yeah. It's yeah. like taking a, taking a whiz is like the only yeah. time. And even then, like your three-year-old kicks the bathroom <laughs> door and daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> I can't have 30 seconds. <laughs> so, ah, I literally, I locked the door, right? So we've got these child safety lock doors in the house. So my daughters can't lock themselves mm -hmm. in a room. Yeah. And so you can lock the door, but all you need to do to un unlock it on the other side is just like take a quarter or something and right. you can just 
turn the turn the thing and it's sure. unlocked. So there's no way to lock yourself in a room. And so my daughter, who's a genius, Eleanor, she's at at uh, 20 months. She figured out, and she went. She goes to the change jar, picks up a quarter, and she unlocks the door to let herself into the bathroom while I'm taking no. a number two. No. <laughs> What? The locks. So now I have to barricade the door. I have to like put stuff in front of it. Like I put a tennis shoe and wedge it under the door oh so it goodness. won't open. So yeah. she physically can't open it, right? Yeah, uh, but that's um, you know anyway. That's neither here nor there. But <laughs> the point is, is that we get so little time to do the stuff that we want. Mm-hmm. But if you, in business, my motivation has always been because I have that in my mind from my parents. Um, and they probably didn't have the systems down, but their goal was always to have the kind of life that they want. Mm-hmm. And so I am about, this is a guru thing to say, but I am about having a, a why. Like this very famous Simon Sinek, the TED Talk. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that, right? I have. Right. Um, every, I like it's got like 80 million yeah. views. Um, he talks about having a why, like for your business. Like, and, it, and the why isn't, well, because people need toast, and so I own a bread factory. You know, like, that isn't the why. The why is, what is the reason that you exist as a business? What is your purpose? And so, and, and I was very, very thoughtful about that, and now I've, I've split into having two whys. I have a, a why for myself personally, and then a why for my business. And the why for me personally is very, very simple. To have the kind of life that I want that is where my schedule is filled with the types of people and work that allows me to thrive as a person. That's my why, that's my entire why. So everybody I interact with, the people that I keep closest to me, the stuff that I do, every decision I make is bent towards the gravity of that why. Yeah. And the why of my business kind of orbits around that because I the business is secondary to my personal. Okay. And so like, because my time is so precious. As a person, our time, is the most precious thing that exists in the world. And we spend so much time having conversations that are dumb. We spend so much time doing stuff that doesn't do anything for us, doesn't help other people. I was walking through the casino today and I was just watching like person after person just sitting there with a big, dumb, open mouth look, just staring at a slot machine. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. You're not doing anything. Mm. If you get to the end of your life, what is the one thing you're going to wish you had more of? You're not going to say, man, I wish I'd worked more or man, I wish I'd saved up more money, you're gonna go, I just want more time. Mm. And if we all, and my whole life is to fill the whatever time I get with stuff that pleases me, makes me happy, causes me to be successful, healthy, to have adventure, to be a blessing to the people around me, that is my why. And so when you have a clear statement, everything you do will bend towards that. And the difference that it makes in your life and in your business, in the way that you approach everything, just to have that why, to sit down and say, why do I exist? It's nobody's gonna give you that answer. There's no answer to the question, why do I exist, why am I here? You're the only person that can answer that question because you have to decide what you want and what do you wanna do with your time? Is this exactly why you left weddings and portraits behind? Yeah, it is. Because I grew up with wedding photography parents. So when you asked me, when, you, when we talked about doing this interview, you said, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. And it's just even recently become very clear to me what I want to do. And I've always been, because I had my personal why in my mind, everything was bent towards it. But my business just became clear to me, even after 13 years. Um, 
my parents are wedding photographers mm-hmm. and wedding photographers work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They really do. Cause yeah. there's no, even if you try to take Monday off, inquiries are coming in right. and you can't say no to money. Right. You can't say, no, you know, and so my, saw my parents working so hard to support us and to have a dream that they could do something that they love with their time. Um, but there's a flip side of that is that if I had little league or a play I was in or anything, there was a lot of those moments they were not able to be there for. And right. because those things for kids typically happen on weekends. And you don't want that And for yourself. When my wife got pregnant uh, four years ago for, with our first daughter, I just, I cannot tell you the, the, the shock of how I didn't, what, you don't know what the first thing you think about. What is the, um, there's a comedian and I forget what his name is, but he, he describes the moment his wife told him he was pregnant and he said it like stretched time out. And he goes, honey, I'm pregnant. Agnet, agnet, agnet. You know, like, you know, do you remember that moment? I remember this moment so clearly. That's really good. And, uh, and so like, and um, one of the first thing I thought was, and this, I'm, I'm not kidding you. One of the first things I thought was, I got to get out of the wedding business. Because it was taking up so much of your time. Because I didn't realize how much that had affected me as a child. As a kid at the time, my parents were working. It was just the reality yeah. of the situation. Right. And so um, I was mad at it. I don't feel like I have issues or hangups about it. Mm. I knew that I was loved. I knew that my parents were. And I was so always so proud of what they did. Because mm-hmm. everybody in my town, I grew up, there's a big engineering firms. There's like uh, Northrop Grumman and... and uh, Pratt, Whitney, and stuff like that. And they, there's a, everybody's parents work for engineering firms. Mm. And my parents were photographers. And mm. I always thought that was so cool. Like right. in the age, like the 80s and 90s, when it was actually cool to be a photographer. Yeah. You know, now it's right. who cares? Everybody's but a photographer now. Yeah. I was always so proud of what they did. Um, but when I found out I was going to be a father, it was amazing. My brain just reflexed to, I need to be there as much as I can. So that's when it happened. That was the moment that, and then we, again, then the why of my business, my the, my wife and I started to form. Right. Like the business is to support the personal why. And creative entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs think that way, especially creatives. The idea is what? You, I want to do something for a living that I enjoy. Right. But that's not even necessarily clearly defined because some mm-hmm. people just gravitate towards that without thinking about yeah. it because they can't see living life any other way than doing something that they enjoy for a living. And, and entrepreneurs, that part of your brain is you start taking a pottery class and you're like, I'm getting pretty good at this. How do I monetize it? How do I monetize right. it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that not right? That's like, how it goes. You literally cannot enjoy anything without trying to figure out how to monetize mm-hmm. it. And that's how some people, that's how my brain works. As an entrepreneur, yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. As a creative... You're like, I, I can't possibly go sit in a cubicle with a pair of pleated khakis mm-hmm. and a polo on. Mm-hmm. I would die inside. Right. And so you'll do everything, even make less money, work more hours, yep. you know, have less stuff just to not have to go and do something for a living that you don't want to do. So what sort of practical steps, like what, you have the realization, right? That you don't, that you probably didn't really see coming. It just happened. It was like a, getting hit in the face with a hammer. It was that, it was like that impactful. Yeah. But you, so you recognize it. You're like, whoa, there it is. That's, yes. That's a big, that's a big thing. Yes. And scary. Terrifying. I would imagine because partly probably because of the unexpectedness of it. Like you didn't see it coming. It, it gets there. I didn't know that feeling was there. Right. Right. That's why it was scary. I, it had been there the whole time and I didn't know. Sure. 
you so you acknowledge that it's there and then it's like what am i gonna what am i gonna do so we had in our photography business we had always had sort of a sideline with headshots my wife had a friend who was an actress Mm -hmm. actor um i think they just you just kind of say actors genderless actors genderless um she's an actor she was in a couple of movies had bit parts here and there and she needed some headshots Mm -hmm. and we're in orlando and it was it's a fairly was a fairly robust entertainment market because we have all the theme parks and you have a lot of actors who work in commercials and television and also perform at disney and universal and stuff and so my wife was actually the photographer at that time and so she went out and did her headshots and her agent really liked them Mm. and so the agent wanted to meet us and so we went in and we met him and then so we created this sideline and so we were shooting actors but there's not enough of it in my area anymore to like run an entire business off of it it's just kind of a sideline but then using my skills acquired in other professions um like it and stuff like that um i started to build a website and create an online presence geared towards headshots the word headshots and then i got a call one day from a guy who said do you photograph anybody over the age of 25 because I need a headshot for my job or whatever? And and that was another moment when the neurons just started to fire and burn across my brain was like, holy crap, I'm such an idiot. It's like you realize that you're just like a monkey humping a football. Like you don't even know what you've got. Right. Like, and what does the dog do when it catches the car? It has no idea what to do once it catches the car. And so... (laughs) Sorry, this is my I had, life. I had I, a dog like that once. I, I really did. <laughs> I realize that I talk a lot, but I feel like there's this is a topic I'm very passionate about. And so um That's good. I don't I'm not a visionary. I'm not the first person there. I don't come up with the idea, but my superpower is when I when I see something that works, I am not emotionally attached to anything else. I will pivot in a second. Okay. That's a gift, actually. That is that is my superpower. Mm-hmm. I have no sacred cows. Mm-hmm. I have nothing. I have nothing that I will not burn to the ground <laughs> to do the next thing that's going to be more successful. <laughs> that's a big deal. That's actually a really big deal. That has freed me up so much because the thing that trips up creative entrepreneurs, photographers specifically, is they're too attached to every part of the process mm. to be profitable. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they don't understand what they've got you know, or, or how to make it work. They just know they want to do something they love for a living, that it's possible to do it and to be profitable, but they are so in their own head about being the artist that they fail to realize that it's a business. So did this older gentleman saying this to you in that way, get you to realize that you had untapped markets? Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. That, that, that the market for headshots, I was going after actors, which is like, one-tenth of one percent right. of the headshot market when in reality the headshot market was ev- look outside your window right. if you're listening to this look outside the window of your car if you're jogging look down the row of buildings look if you live in a city look at the skyline every office every window represents somebody who needs a headshot mm-hmm. every single look at it look out here right there yeah. that, that airplane every car in that parking lot every window on the mgm grand which we yeah. can see from here every single person needs a good headshot because everybody has a job, mostly, except for probably like 4% of the population right. and toddlers. Everyone has a job. Everyone needs a picture for their work. And you should totally be the person that gets to take that picture. Mm. It's the largest. How many weddings are there in the United States in a year, do you think? 30 billion. Nope. I have no idea. Not enough. No. <laughs> Two and a half million, roughly. That's a, okay. That's a ton. Two and a half million. 
How many small businesses are there? Don't know. You don't know? Really don't. 25 million. That's just small businesses. And most people aren't employed oh, by a small I'm, business. Okay, I'm putting things together now. So there's two and a half million right. weddings, mm-hmm. 25 million small businesses. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about how, what your potential market is. Yeah, the, that, that weddings number doesn't seem so high anymore. No. Sounds a lot right. when you say two and a half million weddings, like 50 states, two and a half. Oh, I was. Shit, I was like, crap. that's a lot. 25 million small businesses in the United States, mm. and that doesn't represent the majority of the workforce. So mm. think about the size of the market. And so that is how we started, and it started to literally just take over our business. It started to just be the thing that was bringing in all the money, and we're putting all of our marketing effort into bringing in portrait and wedding clients. Yeah. When this, it's literally like somebody's like knocking on the door going, I've got a bag full of money. <laughs> You're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, I got this other hold stuff on. I'm doing. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm finishing up my Call of Duty game here. And, you know, Ooh, that hurts a little bit. Yeah, that you stinks. know, that's, that's what I'm saying. And it's, and that's when we went like, yeah, crap. Yeah. And then that was always simmering in the back of my mind. And then by the time we got pregnant, Mm-hmm. was that was the moment mm-hmm. when it just sort of like solidified mm-hmm. my desire to be home as much as possible nights and weekends more specifically and the thing in the back of my mind that was saying like why are you doing this because truthfully i take joy in photography the difficulty of it the problem solving but in reality i was never happy as a portrait wedding photographer mm because I don't like the process. I don't like emotional selling. I don't, I'm never comfortable selling work and, or even having someone else sell my work. I was never comfortable with in-person sales. I was never comfortable with any of it. I just did it because I knew it was what you're supposed to do. It just made me unhappy. And this is not the reality of the situation. The thing that I'm gonna say next is not the truth. It's just how I feel. Okay. Okay. Do you know how you feel something? I like the disclaimer. Do you know how some, you, you can feel something that's completely not true? Like you say, Coke is better than Pepsi. That's not a truth. That's how you feel. Right. Right. Okay. So they're both garbage food, but Coke for is one reason, Pepsi. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> there's no question. Pe- Pepsi sucks. Unless they want to sponsor me for something, in which case it's the choice of a new generation. And even then, yeah. <laughs> right, right. In which case, all of a sudden, it's delicious. <laughs> oh man, um, I was just reminded of a story of the guy who did the voice for Bugs Bunny, Mel. Blank. Mel Blank, thank yeah. you. Who um, the only they would do the audio for Bugs Bunny chewing on a carrot, and they tried every single thing they could think of, but the only thing that sounded like a carrot was a carrot, and Mel Blanc hated carrots, and so he would have a bucket, he would chew the carrots on the microphone and, and spit the carrots out. into a bucket. Oh my god! Isn't that interesting? Anyway, so where was I? That was the thing that's not true. <laughs> okay, yeah, I want to know the thing that's not true. This is not true, and do, and do not get mad at Jed, and do not get mad at me. Mm. This is my feelings. Okay. In-person sales always felt like a ransom. It always felt to me like holding hostage someone's images. And I know that's unpopular to say, but hear me out. I'm looking at a, a, a mother and a father with a little with a baby, and I'm showing them these beautiful images that I made of their baby. Mm-hmm. Not my baby, their baby. Mm-hmm. And they can't buy all the ones that they want. They can't afford it. Mm-hmm. 
and I always felt like crap. Mm. And yes, you can say, okay, well, you're not filtering your clients, you're not pre-qualifying, whatever it is. The whole I know, I know all the statements. I know, I know that. Retorts. Believe me, I've, been, I've grown up in this right. business my entire life. There is nothing business or marketing-wise in photography that you can tell me that I have not heard right. and that I can tell you two generations of photographers ago who actually invented that when you think sure. you did. Oh, yeah. So I understand. Did you know that like in the Northeast, some of the, the Yankees uh, in the Northeast, there were photographers that would sell, they would do in-person sales. This was like in the 70s. Yeah. And they would bring prints to your house. They'd do hold the, like, the Sue Bryce reveal wall and yeah. all that. And if you said, oh, I don't want that one, they'd rip it apart in front of you. Like, that's gangster. <laughs> that is savage. That is right? they, savage. They'd say, oh, you don't want that one? Rip. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and I've heard photographers who I admire actually say, if they, when you're doing the selection process in in-person sales, they will actually delete it in front of the client, but not really delete it, just yeah. to make the client think they deleted it, That's to put them on their back, to put them on their heels to go, oh my God, we better like everything or he's gonna delete it. Yeah, those are tactics. Right, that right. is so, man, that's some That's, scum, that's scumbag moves, They're man. <laughs> It really is. Although there's great in-person sales, and a lot of it is just great service. It's just right. great client service. Well, I like how you're 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 pre-qualifier for these these statements that aren't true. They're not true. It's how uh, I feel. Are are that they're your feelings? Right. right? So whether or not whether or not the, the it's, it's true, it's just how it made me feel to do it. How this is what you experienced. This is, and so right. And so I was unhappy. Mm -hmm. And my wife, God bless her. Um, will support anything. I, you know, I married my parents in a sense because my parents are creative entrepreneurs and every dumb thing I ever wanted to do, they were like, go for it, yeah. live your dream. Yeah. And most parents are like, go to college, get a job, right. you know? Right. And incidentally, I went to college and I got a job and I, and, I did, and I married a great woman and I'm producing grandchildren. I'm a fully fledged member of society, <laughs> just like every parent would ever want. And you know how my parents got me to do that? By telling me to go live my dream, right. which is cool. My wife, I bring every stupid thing I could think of to her and she's like, let's do it. She's so supportive. Um, and, so, and so we're like, we're living this life and we're always on the same page when it comes to our business. And we're going to be parents and opportunities knocking on our door. And I'm unhappy with the, the give me back my son, the ransom situation. Yeah, I get it. Like, that's how I felt. It's I not it. It's not that way, but it's how I felt. And it was unhappy. If, you don't, if you're not happy doing it, don't do it. And so we just made a very bold decision to stop doing portraits and weddings completely we stop marketing for them when we get a room you don't do any of them when 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 somebody inquires with us we refer and we get a lot you, re, you refer you refer that stuff i now. give them to my friends I, I i take money and i literally i walk over to the toilet and i throw it inside <laughs> and i flush that's what i do i probably get and even not having portraits and weddings on my website i still get a half a dozen inquiries a month for right. probably great weddings and portraits because people they look through my website it's headshots actor and model portfolios event photography and commercial architectural photography they're all that's on my website right. and they look through all that and still send me an email I go do you shoot weddings how much you charge for a wedding i'm like how stupid are you <laughs> like you know no. once again how you feel <laughs> not the truth not the just truth. how you like, feel you must be real dumb but no that's fine because they in reality they some people they just go straight to the contact form and they don't right. even look right you know? that's how it works um but uh like we have prices for all of our services are on our website and i'm just amazed by how many emails i get asking how much we charge for stuff I mean, there's literally the whole pricing menus on the website well and in in someone's defense it's probably because they just flat out want you to 
to do that. It's fair. I right? mean, that's fair. Sometimes it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a commodity. Mm-hmm. My business doesn't sell an artist story. Because if, mm-hmm. if you're a boutique business, you're selling an artist yes. story. Yep. You're selling the story behind the image and who you are. My, most of my clients could really care less if it was me that takes the pictures or not. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. But it takes you it. personally. Yeah. It could be, I have they co- want good photos. Right. But they don't care if I do it or if someone or else does it. Right. They just want it done. Here's how working for a, uh, a, a corporate client instead of a portrait client works. Um, this is how it happens. You get an inquiry for like a newborn session or a maternity session. And someone's like, hey, I'm having a baby in July and I really want to get some maternity photos. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, and they've probably put a lot of thought and time into that decision. Yeah. Probably looked at a hundred websites. Yes. And spent weeks thinking about it. And uh, then you get the inquiry and this is how you handle it in a boutique business. Thank you so much for contacting Precious Super Duper Moments Photography. Right. I'm so excited about your upcoming bundle right. of joy. There it is. And then you, you want to connect on that emotional level, yes. right? You go like, you know, we'd love to 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 meet with you and have a have a have a coffee and find out what your needs are. Right. And you know, that's that's based and it just goes on and on. It's long emails, a lot of hand holding, a lot of emotional connection. And that's how it's done. That's not my criticism of it. That's what you have to do. Right. To get somebody to spend three or four or five thousand dollars on a portrait. That's what people do that are doing it well. Right. They have to mm-hmm. love you. Yeah. They have to love you specifically in your boutique business model. And they have to want to pay you beyond a reasonable amount of, for for reasons that are not logical. They want to pay. Okay. You. Do you know? You mean like the work? It is. It, it is very possible to do a five thousand, a ten thousand dollar portrait sale, and to be just an average photographer, if your business is good. Yeah. If your branding is good. Okay. And let me say this: branding isn't your logo and your website and your color scheme. Your branding is how your clients feel about you emotionally. That's okay. your brand. Your right. brand is not something that you control. You influence it, but you cannot change your brand. Your brand is how you make your clients, how your clients feel about you when they think about you. That's your brand. Good nugget. Right? Yes. And so this is how a corporate inquiry works. Uh, we are, um, we make tractor parts and we're having a convention in Orlando on March 3rd. Are you available and how much does it cost? And then I go, yes, we're available. Here's our price list. Let me know if I can help you with anything else. <laughs> That's it. Because here's what happens. Boss man comes to middle management guy. And middle management guy or gal is probably like a 28-year-old, so a millennial. So her name's probably Mackenzie or something like that. And so like, so like Mackenzie then get, what does a millennial do when they're looking for something? They go to the Google machine. They type it in. So they'll type in like if you live in, Minneapolis, they'll type in Minneapolis photographers mm-hmm. or whatever, and they'll go to the first five websites on the list. Mm-hmm. And if they seem like they fit the bill, they'll send an email. And the first photographer that gets back to them, to McKenzie, uh, the first one to get back that is in the right price range and is available gets the job. Mm. And that's it. And, and so you make sure that your SEO is top notch, right? Oh, it absolutely has to be. You that's cannot, a big deal for you. You cannot spend enough money on it. Okay. And you really cannot. That's a good, that's that's interesting. You cannot. Like, I had a pastor of, of my church when I was a kid, I was in when I was in youth group, um, who had a... I, I really love um, churches because they, they typically, successful religions have, usually have really good marketing and really good <laughs> PR. 
And if you want to know how to build a brand, you just follow churches, right? Like especially all of the all yeah. of the sort of non-denominational evangelical Christian Mega churches, churches have yeah. always have all started changing their name from like First Baptist Orlando to Church on the Drive or Church in the Sun or <laughs> Apex or whatever, or whatever, you know, the, the names are, and they're all hip. They're really good at rebranding and they create a culture. They're good at culture. They're good they at have like sweet little logo. They're and, really, yeah, yeah. They're, they're good at community building. Yeah. So my pastor who I love, who I ran into at Chick-fil-A like last year with my kids and I hadn't seen him in ages and I just had a great, anyway, he's a great guy. I love him so much. And he was such an inspiration and a great mentor for me. Um, one of my first real mentors. And he had a, um, a saying, that when, because uh, every church, at least once a year, you have to do the money talk, where you have to convince everybody that it is their <laughs> obligation to support the church financially. And sure. whatever religion you're in, right. whether there's a box at the front, or they pass a tray around, mm -hmm. or they do a bake sale, mm -hmm. that they, they need money to operate. Yeah. And so they are supported by their members. It's like NPR, like it's yeah. supported by the membership. And that's just a fact. It's not a criticism. It's mm -hmm. just an observation. Mm -hmm. So every pastor at every church, of every denomination, of every religion, everywhere in the world, once a year has to get up at that pulpit and try to convince people to put money in the offering plate. Yeah. Like that's how it works. And he had a great saying, and this is like, I, I can't, I've never gotten it out of my head. Neurons burned across my brain. He said, you can't outgive God. Yeah. Isn't that, just think about the simplicity of that. I'm what I'm, it promises, I'm, I'm doing it right what, now, it, yeah. what it says, how it makes you feel, how it, how, how it takes away the fear of putting money that you don't, not even completely sure what happens to it, yeah. you know? And you go, you can't outgive God. There's a promise of return. There's a comfort that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and I, like, it's a brilliant marketing statement, right? <laughs> you can't outgive God. Yeah. And there's, there's just so comforting and so quick. And See, just, with my defeatist attitude, though, I think it would backfire on me because I'd be like, well, might as well not even try that. <laughs> No, because you, you're, afford that you're an entrepreneur and you're creative, and so you're gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna outgive God. All right, let's see how. Let's see how he likes that. Well, that's the other side. Yeah. Here's a yeah. hundo. Yeah. Bam. I'll how do you it, like that? I'll make it happen. That, that's my wife. See, I'm dropping I'm on, C notes in the offering plate. I'm more of the cynic. I'm gonna be like, eh, well, not gonna do that then. <laughs> and she'll be like, yes, we have to write this check with all these zeros, eh? but we cannot give him. So. Well, yeah. If I can't win, I'm. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So, so to get to SEO was the point of that entire diatribe. Yeah, that was a big one. Was uh, was that uh, I like to translate that to you can't outgive Google. Oh. Does that oh. does that make sense? That's where it kind of comes around. I feel right. that way about SEO for uh, corporate and commercial photographers. Yeah. If you're a boutique photography studio, and you've got really good search engine optimization, you come up really well on Google, you spend more time filtering people out than bringing people in. Interesting. You'll get a lot of tire kickers. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of inquiries of people who cannot afford you. Right. Um, and so you will get good clients out of it, but every 10 inquiries is probably one good client. I see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So SEO is good, is perfect for the commercial photography business because there's no, no process with which to draw them closer to you other than, this is how much we're going to pay for this thing. Are you willing to do it? Are you available? Well, and, and it sounds like to, to yank the emotion out of it is actually a necessity to some degree. 100%. You, want to have, you want to put systems in place on the backside 100%. to help you separate the wheat from said chaff. Well, there's not much chaff. I mean, I probably get, if I get 20 inquiries, 
probably 19 of them are good. And the one has just got unrealistic expectations on price. Oh, that's even better. So they're like, they're like, uh, for example, I had a client that was like, well, we need um, uh, 30 corporate headshots at two different locations over two days and our budget's $250. And I was total total. I was like per person. Like, what? Right. Are, what are you, no, That's what I would. I had to, it was so off base. I had to clarify. I was like, did you mean 250 per person or did you mean 250 total? And what did they say? No, they're like it's 250 total. And then what'd you say? I, I said, normally, if, if a client's <laughs> if a client's budget is below what I'm willing to do the job for. Right. Which happens. Right. Um, I will refer them to somebody who I believe in my area who will do it for that amount of money. Right. I have no problem doing that. Right. Because I'm protecting my business that way. Because I know down to the penny how much money I need to bring in on every job by the minute. Right. For it to be profitable. Right. And there is a red line that I will not cross. Mm -hmm. Just because you get so hungry and so desperate to put a few extra dollars in the checking account that you start taking jobs where you're actually losing money. Right. You're paying. You're paying. So for now the you're job. treading water mm -hmm. and, and, and drowning. You know, um, can use two water analogies back mm. to back. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in a case, in a case where it's so bad, you I, don't even refer I, it. I respond to them. I said, honestly, I said, I'd be happy to refer you to a colleague who is at a lower price point. I said, but I, I told them, I said, I honestly do not know who I could recommend you to at that price point. Right. Cause for what you want. Yeah. Do you ever see miracle on 34th street? I did not. It is. I bought the movie <laughs> this last Christmas. I bought that okay. film. You, and I have not. Are seen you familiar it. with the with with the story? There's a girl in a courtroom with Santa. Okay, that's yes? about it. That's the whole movie. The end. Right. Roll credits. <laughs> that's no. what I know about it. So what happens is, is there's a guy who lives in like a a, a group home for the no spoilers though for the mentally no ill. No spoilers because I I haven't seen it. And his name is Chris Kringle. Okay. And there's kind of an ambiguous is he or is he isn't actually Santa Claus? Sure. And they never really tell you if he is or he isn't. Okay. But he believes he is. And he's a pretty amazing dude, right? He's just got this energy and this attitude and this strange way of approaching the world that in, you know, New York City in 1952 is just bizarre to people. Right. And they all want to, like, lock him up as mentally ill right. when in reality he is a marketing genius. So here's what he does. He gets a job at um, Macy's. I think it's Macy's, right? Yeah, he gets a job at Macy's and as a Santa. <laughs> As a Santa, right. And so Santa gets a job as Santa, who believes he's really Santa, who's impersonating... This is meta, man. This is... Maryville 34th Street invented meta. <laughs> and so what he does is, the whole idea of Santa is to sell the toys that are in the store, right. to sell the things that are in the store. Right. So, so like, Santa, I want a, tr a fire truck. And they're like, well, we have a fire truck that's made by uh, Playco, and that's over here. Whatever. It's, the, the whole point is to funnel people into spending money. So this Santa Claus, what he does is, because he's really Santa Claus... He starts telling people, well, if they go, Santa, I want a, uh, I want a jack-in-the-box. And he go, well, actually, we don't have them here at Macy's, but if you go down the street to Harrods, oh. they have them, and they're actually on sale right now for oh. $9.99. Oh. So Santa starts telling the children and their parents when they ask for stuff to go to another store, or he goes like, you know, the, the one that we have isn't as good. They have a better one at this other store. <laughs> and so the management at Macy's starts to flip out yeah until they realize this their sales increase they get more popular the store's more full because people started to go oh my god macy's wants to help me macy's cares about me they're trying to save me a couple of bucks mm. they're sending me somewhere else mm. even though they 
they want they need money from me they would rather me get what i want than me get it from them yeah and it made people feel good about macy's and the store started to fill up and it was this amazing and i'm sitting there watching it i watched it for the first time this christmas oh all right for some reason and yeah. so and i'm sitting there and i'm like oh my god this movie's about marketing Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And so like I have no problem. And I have clients who come back to me after being referred to someone else. People really like to hear the truth. Dang right. They do. Isn't it? Yeah. And they appreciate it. And we have follow up emails with clients. If I recommend them to someone, I follow up. And I go, did you get taken care of? All right. Yeah. Like did that? Did you get the photos that you needed? Did you get it at the price point? How'd that work out? I have, I have on, on very rare occasions, I've had people at certain stores recommend that I go to other stores to mm -hmm. get whatever. Mm -hmm. Same, same type of deal. I just want to go back to that store even I, more now. How's it? Yeah. It makes you feel like so I'm like, yep, I'm connected. That dude told me the truth. There's, I just took a, an, we have a, we're all, we use all Apple computers. Mm -hmm. Um, no other reason than they just sort of all that really work well together. Stuff, work. Just, stuff just kind of, and I find they last a bit longer in yeah. general. They last probably about 30% longer. So I've got like a 2010 MacBook Pro 17. The thing's a Goliath. It's the heaviest <laughs> damn computer in the world. Yeah. Um, if you've never held a 17-inch laptop from Apple, like the old school ones, before they started to like, you know, take all the plugs out so they'd be lighter. Um, this has like an HDMI port. It's got like a blender in the side of it. Like it's got, I mean, it's crazy. But there's an Apple repair store, an independent Apple repair store, not the Apple store, 50 yards from my house. Yeah. Like literally, I'm um, my street is the first street back from like a main road. Right. And so I can walk to it. So I go and, and it's on the way to my studio. And I'd never been in there before, driven by it a thousand times. I go in there. I take the computer. I describe the problem to the guy. And then I leave. And then he calls me about an hour later and he and it's he's like the oldest person i've ever seen and he's like a computer repair guy which i love like i love that he's probably like 80 and still rocking it yeah because i remember he's probably really cool in the 80s when like apple came out right and he he has the original apple computer in the he store. really does he displays it like it's really oh. cool anyway so he's amazing brilliant guy and um he calls me he says look he goes um we have uh, here's here's your problem he goes this is the part you need I don't have it in stock. Probably take about a week to get it. He goes, but if you go over here, this other Mac repair place, that's a friend of mine, he said, he's got one. Just take the computer to him. And then he didn't even charge me for the diagnostic. And that was it. And that was it. So you'll go there, you'll go there all the time. I, I went immediately onto Google and left a review. Yeah. I went and I will never go anywhere else first. No. I won't even go to the app. I'll go to him first for everything. Sure. And because he's like, that's cool, man. He took time to take apart my computer, realize that he didn't, he wasn't the best one for the mm -hmm. job, and now I will never go anywhere else. Because he was honest. Right. Yeah. And that's the interaction that people, especially nowadays, want to have with the places they spend their money. Yeah. The millennials, which are like age 18 to 35, just surpassed Gen Xers mm. as the largest bulk of the workforce. Mm. They spent $200 billion dollars in the in the u.s economy last year mm. like so and these are the people there are marketing companies that spend millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out for the big brands like coke and pepsi and whoever else how to figure out how to reach these people 18 yeah. to 35 year olds yeah. and the, there's one word that comes back in every marketing report and you can go google it just go online and you'll see this word over and over and over and over again authenticity authentic yep okay 
authenticity. Yeah. Being your most authentic self is the, is the best way to market your business. So me not doing weddings and portraits, me mm. working commercially and being happy with my life, having every, every dollar is negotiated up front. Like I am finally in my business, my most authentic self. My business is my personality. Yeah, your business own. is reflecting who you are. And I'm so, yeah, like I'm not saying don't do weddings and portraits. I'm saying now I am my most authentic self as right. a business owner. Right. Because we have a hitch as creative entrepreneurs that we want to, we, we're generally resistant to the idea of running a business or having a business that we're not a part of, mm. where we're not the central figure in the business, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why you could for probably, if you really wanted to make money, you could for $15,000, which is not a terrific amount of money in business, if you really think about it. It's if, if you work at Walmart and you could probably save that money if you stopped buying Starbucks and made coffee at right. home and eat out a few meals, you could probably save $15,000 in about five years, mm -hmm. even if you work at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. If you stop, if you really saved your money, I don't want to belabor that point, but if you really, really did it. So for $15,000, you can invest in a Chick-fil-A store. You can become an owner manager of a Chick-fil-A if you want to make money. So Chick-fil-A is not a franchise. They're a corporate store, but the owners are all financially invested. The, the managers are part owners of every store. That's mm -hmm. how they do their, it's a unique franchise business model, which is not truly a franchise. So for 15 grand, you can buy into a Chick-fil-A. It has to be one that they're already going to build, but and you have to apply to do it. But if you really want to make money, have you ever seen a Chick-fil-A go out of business? I have not. Me either. <laughs> so if you really wanted to make money, invest in a Chick-fil-A. If you really want to do something you love every day for a living and be profitable at it, that's why we're in photography. Right. So there's a difference. You are smart enough and talented enough and could put the money together to do something that would be very financially profitable why don't you play the stock market? People right. make millions every day, right. and it's not that hard. They have algorithms that will invest money. You put $1,000 and turn it into $3,000 in two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you do that? Because it doesn't turn you on. Right. So we're not financially motivated, but we do get dragged down to the bottom of the lake by our desire to be the principal in a business that we do something that we enjoy. And so being in the commercial photography business... And the type of business model I have, I have the ability to separate myself emotionally from the work. And I can still do photography for fun on my own if I choose to. Right. But that's my, the other piece that I was thinking. Right. Like, that's what people don't get. So I do photography business because it makes money, because I enjoy the job. And so I find a balance between doing something I enjoy and finding a way to monetize it. Yeah. And I can also take pictures for fun on my own. Yeah, if you want to, sure. Right. So, like, I don't care that out of the 3,000 headshots I do or so every year or whatever, the work is largely boring. I'm here at WPPI. I'm sitting on the panel with some of the greatest photographers yeah. in the world. You know. Yeah, you're judging, right? I'm, yeah, I was judging in the competition. I'm sitting next to Michelle Celentano mm -hmm. and Kelly Brown and mm -hmm. Alicia Alvarez yeah. and, like, and Lori Nordstrom. Yeah, I saw that photo. Yeah, and I'm like, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> like, there's some ballers in that photo, Right, man. big ballers, right? <laughs> and I, I take headshots and, and corporate portraits and i do like like i do i just did a photo for um uh i do this i've, I've actually worked for kodak doing this mm -hmm. um kodak alaris out of south america mm -hmm. where you do like you go you take a group picture of like 100 people mm -hmm. and that's it they hire you they come out and take a picture of the 200 people that came to our convention so you got to light and pose 200 people in about 10 minutes yeah and then make 208 by 10 stuff them in envelopes and bring them back like that's a really cool gig actually <laughs> 
But that is not going to get me on stage at WPPI claiming a gold award. Right. You know? Right. So it's hard for me sometimes because I'm in this group of all these so talented artists. And it does, it does chafe a little bit to be the commodity broker <laughs> in a room full of artists. But at the same time, I'm the one who makes a living doing it and isn't struggling. For every photographer that is doing amazing work, I can show you that photographer probably 90% of the time is struggling financially. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't that, don't you find that that's true? You've got a lot of experience in the industry. I, I have some, yes. I, I have seen that many times and it's, and it's sad on one hand, but I do think that a lot of people aren't doing what you have done, which is, it's the, it's the authentic piece. You know, a lot of people think that they have to be a certain way or do things a certain way or say things a certain way or their business has to be a certain way and they're missing the whole piece. Like you said that I didn't even like portraits and weddings. Right. That That's a that's a revelation. <laughs> you think so? Honestly. Well, because I think that... I, I, I think, I'd say I didn't like him. I was just unhappy. I didn't like well, the I didn't like the business tomato, of portraits tomato, and weddings. Tomato, tomato. I mean, yeah. I I think that I wonder if there aren't a lot of people out there, even some people listening to this, that aren't aren't having that neural neuro firing right in their brains right now, realizing that yeah, I don't really like this or this isn't really what it's not I, fun. I think I would much rather do this because that's happened in just with us. At at one point, my wife was like, "I don't, I'm not going to do weddings anymore." Right, and I'm like, "Really, we." we can probably get about 25 grand for this. You know, that was where we, right. we got to that point. And she's like, I don't want to do it. Weddings were 40, 45, $50,000 piece of our business. And you got to look at each other across the table, looking at numbers on a notepad and go, we're just about to kiss 50 grand goodbye. Well, and I, and I was thinking like 20 to 25 grand, a wedding. Yeah. Even then. And, and I was like, I'll pick, I'll start shooting them. And she's like, you go ahead. I don't, this is not who I am. This is not, what I want anymore. And and she's like, I want I want to photograph portraits. I want to do families and children. And I and I thought, oh all right. Yeah. And it and it was good. Right. She became the artist that she wanted yes. to be and cut yeah. away the extemporaneous stuff that wasn't yeah. doing it for her. Yep. So if exactly. you're gonna be an artist business model, if you're gonna be a creative professional, if you insist on entering an industry where the average income's thirty five thousand dollars a year, you know, like all good all good points. Right. Then why the hell wouldn't you just do it the, the way that you like to do right. it the most? Yeah. Why wouldn't you right. insist on trading that financial success or that being able to one day drive a Ferrari, you're giving up on a lot of monetary dreams or at least starting with your feet tied together right. to become a photographer instead of a dentist or right. something, right. you know? So why wouldn't you insist on happiness? Doing what why you wouldn't do. you right. demand it from your life? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I like it. For a guy that that that, it, that doesn't like the inspirationally type stuff, you, you do a very good job of it. And I'll tell you why that is. <laughs> and, I, and I agree. I have been told that, but my intention isn't to inspire. My intention is just to say what's on my mind. Right. right. To be right. my most authentic self. And so I'm an accidental guru. Accidentally. <laughs> I like that. I hate gurus. I hate inspirational speakers. I really, it just, with the exception, there's some that are just their authentic self and You should try me. to snag the accidentalguru.com. <laughs> Which would be a thing a guru would do, but I won't. <laughs> because that's, that's so cheesy and stupid. <laughs> 
The I Accidental lo- Guru. <laughs> Although it would be great and it would probably be a success. Yeah. Because yeah. people would buy into that brand, but it's yeah. not me. Okay. I run a Facebook group called Garage Brand Live. Right. And it's... um. I'm not plugging it. Although well, I'm you should. Pl- that's, a, that's the next thing in the um, list here. Plug. And so it's a community where basically it's not specific to photographers. And people keep posting photography questions in there. And it's like I'm, I have to like message them and be like, stop it. Don't, don't but, ask um, any more It's photos, for business though. and marketing for small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, stuff like that. It's all, right. all business and all marketing. And um, <laughs> I, I would open up by saying in my live videos, I'm not an expert and I'm not a guru. So what I do is I let the group pick a topic. Yeah. On a Friday, I'll put a poll in the group. Here are five ideas I have for topics. What do you want? And then they, by survey, will tell me what the topic they want. Right. And then so the following week, starting on Monday, I start researching. I get up at 5.30, in the morning, 5 or 5.30 in the morning. Well, you're one of those guys. Um, okay. No, I'm not, but I became one. Okay. Because if you're a parent, it's the only time you get to yourself. Yep, there is that truth. Because by the time it's like, you, you think you could take that time at night, but I'm too tired at night. That's how it works. <laughs> I get so it. So I have to. I, I'm not a morning person at all. You can look, look at my face. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so on a Monday, then I'll, I'll, I will spend an hour or so a day researching the topic yeah and then i will find relevant articles videos and information and i will post those into the group two or three times a day and i schedule it out and they post into the group and i try to make it so that the flow of information makes sense right and then once a week i go into the group and i go do a live video and i basically give a a, a, a spoken book report right. on the topic that i researched for you guys that yeah. week and that's the group but here's the thing I'm getting so many questions and so many people inquiring about asking me what my advice on what they should do with their business. Like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing a book report, you know, and I'm not the expert. I'm learning as much with my group as as anybody. I'm probably learning more than anybody in my group. Yeah. And I'm really just teaching myself stuff publicly in front of a bunch of people and they respond to it authentically because I'm not an expert or a guru, right? Like, and so we all are becoming subject matter experts together, but somehow, because I'm the one in the video, it makes people think in my mind, I need, I want to know what he's doing. Right. This is Garage Brand. Garage Brand, not Garage Band. Right. Garage Garage. Brand Live. And I I started back in December, got about 3,500 members, a respectable amount, not mm-hmm. a, and its grow, its growth is fairly slow and consistent, which is fine. I'd rather have right. something that people are engaged with than right. 100,000 The right people, right. right. Um, but, uh, you know, and I just wanted an outlet where I could, I love to teach. Clearly, I love to talk. I love to teach, and I needed an outlet that I was comfortable with because as an instructor, here's a thing, again, a thing that is not true. That is my feeling. <laughs> okay. I always hate selling things to photographers. I hated when I would go to a convention and other instructors would say, what have you put together to sell? What have you, what, take all your old marketing material and put it on a thumb drive and sell that for a hundred bucks and people will buy it and they will. But I always felt kind of the same way I felt about in-person sales. I still do. It makes my skin crawl a little Mm -hmm. bit. It's not me. And so I have, I know that I'm leaving money on the table by not doing that. Yeah. I know that it's not the most intelligent way to, to monetize my educational endeavors. Right. Here's the truth. I love speaking. I like helping people. I hate selling to photographers. So GarageBrand came out of me just wanting to teach and connect with people more regularly than just a couple of times a year at conventions. 
but to do it in a way where I'm not selling. And then right. you hear about, oh, you got to put people into your funnel and you got to generate leads and you got to do all this stuff mm. and build your list and build your tribe and yeah. all this stuff. And honestly, I don't even know what I want to do with it. But that's just where I'm at right now. Right. Right. Well, you, you haven't thought about it that way. No. Um, and and uh, Google's business model really does it for me because they build a massive audience by creating amazing contents and services. Right. And then they charge businesses to reach their audience. Right. So the audience isn't getting charged anything. That's, mm-hmm. why I, that's what I want to do in the world of photography. Mm-hmm. I want to have authentic interactions with my sponsors yeah. who I love. Canon, White House Custom Color, I'm a, right. um, they're a sponsor of mine. Uh, uh, Promark Brands, who's my lighting sponsor. Like, and I, 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 I have authentic interactions. And you know Mike Handline real well, I'm sure. And the yeah. Handline's the owners of White House Custom Color. Yes. I was nobody and nothing and just opening my first retail studio after working in my house for six years. And Mike Handline was, happened to be in Florida and knew who I was. And I guess I met him at a trade show and knew yeah. him a little bit. But he's like... Hey, I want to come see your studio. And my studio is like a 900 square foot. You oh, used to be a cash for gold place. Yeah. You know, it's not, there's, there, which, what does that mean? What is universally true about cash for gold places? No windows, right? Which is every photographer's nightmare. Um, and right. so it's painted like this weird flesh color. Mm. But when I, and I was, I was seriously still building the desk in my office and, 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 and didn't have prints on the walls. And, and he came and spent time with me and, and, ask me questions. This is a guy who has a jet, Yeah, you know, and he's in my <laughs> tiny little box of a studio yeah. caring about my wife and I yeah. and my family. Legitimately, yes. And, and really at that point didn't know each other very right. well. And so I'm telling you what, um, I will never leave that lab Yeah, because I'm standing there and someone showing me that they care about me. Yeah. I will never leave. Yeah. Yep. Just like the guy at the Apple store, yeah. just like Miracle on 34th Street. Right. I will never leave. Mm-hmm. Never. And, and, that's, and you can learn from that and apply that exactly. to your own business. Exactly. And that's what I want to be. That's what I aspire to be, hopefully to someone else. Mm-hmm. And again, that moment with Mike in my office, burning the neurons across my brain, will never forget as long as I live. Right. And now one of my hashtag life goals, which is a thing a guru would have, hashtag life goals, um, <laughs> is to be, to, to keep my eyes open for the opportunity to be that to, be that to someone else. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it happens authentically. If you're going around hunting for it, it's like when you're single and you're out there like looking for chickies. <laughs> Nobody's gonna talk to you because you're just being a douche. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why do they say that when you're married, you get hit on more by women uh, because you're not trying to meet women. Yeah. That's why. Well, that doesn't happen with me. Well, but clearly I, not but you. But, but, I did, <laughs> but I have heard that others Some have experienced would say. that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth, isn't it? Just because if you're trying to force something to happen. that That's a good point, yes. So, right. that's, so I'm keeping my eyes and my ears open for an opportunity to hopefully get a chance to be that and, and I know probably that Mike and Diane have been that to maybe thousands of people, yeah. possibly. Yes. And so maybe if I could just do that once yeah. and make somebody feel like everything's going to be okay. Because what do you do when you go into a retail studio? You're, you're laying out a lot of money. Right. You're probably stretching yourself a little too yep. thin because that's every advance in business. Is a, there's a little leap involved. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of like butthole tightening fear. Mm-hmm. you know. And so I was in that moment. And somebody who had been where I'd been 
and had lived that life and was down the road and had found success and had taken those same risks and leaps, just put their hand on my shoulder and said, proud of you. It's going to be okay. That's great. Everything's okay. Yeah. Like, I know you're, li- without saying so, this is, the, this is, his mouth is moving and this is what I'm hearing. He's saying, I know you're terrified. Yeah. I've been here. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And, and that's that a, was, that's a big deal. That's the biggest deal in the yeah. world. Yeah. 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 And that's my, I aspire, that's become part of my why. Yeah. To be that to someone, to be that to multiple someones if I can, and to be it authentically. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And I don't know, I'm not, I don't have a, like a Gary Hughes education platform. And you know, there are those photography <laughs> yeah. instructors, they like wear the shirt with their own name yeah, on it. Yeah, I've seen it. Walking yeah. around the trade right, show right. and you're just like, yeah. that's just trying to force it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because you immediately lose the credibility of authentic interaction. Yeah. Yeah. When you're wearing your shirt that says GaryHughesEducation.com yeah. and rig big letters across your chest, yeah. there are people that will follow that, yeah. but you're not really going to mean anything to anyone. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. I've probably done it. Yeah. I'm thinking about There's it There's no way you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? If you do it and you're successful, that's fine. But again, it's not the truth. It's just how I feel. It's not who, it's not it's, who you it's are. It's not who I am. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. Are you telling me to shut up now? Well, I mean, it's, I, I got another one. You don't, got, yeah, you don't another, want a two hour long podcast. I got another, well, we can split this up into like three parts. Oh my goodness. Probably need to. We did. We did talk about a lot of things. This was, this was great. Um, and, and really thank you for doing this. I know you got a lot going on being a judge and all the other stuff you got. Yeah. Today yeah. is a pretty free day to be honest with you. This I really, I have day. no idea what I'm gonna do with the rest of my day now. Cause I'm here in Vegas. I don't have a car. I'll probably just wander around the Mandalay Bay, like looking at lights. <laughs> Like, oh, that's a shiny sign. <laughs> How do they come up with the name for that bar? See, well, yeah. food, I, for me, it's food. I'll, I just, I'm good. I'll just go from Vegas food, is a good food, food town, place man. to food place here. I think I'm going to hit the Gordon Ramsay Burger Restaurant. That's it. I'm going to get a $20 cheeseburger yep. today. I think that's I'm how I'm going to reward myself. And it will be delicious. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have fun at lunch. I appreciate you coming. Sure, and, man. It's and my pleasure. We should do this again. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, brother. Okay. Okay.